A reading from the book of Luke. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The word of the Lord. Thank you for that reading, Emily. You may be seated. Yeah, just hit the button once. Or hold it. There we go. Well, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. The, uh, it's been sort of an insight of mine that there are two types of sort of Christmas people. There are those like the shepherds and my wife who like to sing and, and go about with joy, who, who, who sort of mirror the angels in the story in the way in which they uh, share this message and love all the songs and love all the pomp and love all the circumstance and love that. And then there are people like Mary who treasure these things in their heart, uh, like me. And, and sometimes people like Mary get called Scrooges by, by their significant others. Um, and yet that is not the case. Um, it's for us to ponder these things on the inside. And I think in many ways, most people represent a little bit of both around the Christmas time. And in that way, even sometimes our lives are shaped in such a way that there are times where we feel full of joy at Christmas, where we speak the words of, of sharing the news. And there are times where we treasure these things up in ourselves, where we um, take the time for a little bit of quiet during Christmas, a little bit of stillness in that. Christmas Eve is, is one of my favorite services of the church year because it's this time where we come together in darkness and proclaim that Christ the light has come to earth, that light is here in this place. 
um, that Christ has come and taken up residency in the world. The word became flesh. And, and the thing I, I, I don't love, Park and I were talking about the serv- before the service, I don't love Christmas songs, but I love the language contained within them. Fireworks for Christmas, too. Uh, good timing, David. Um, the... Uh, uh, but the language contained within them represents this old language of what does it mean for God to come to earth. And the language that we sing at Christmas is, is so grand that it makes it hard to see life as usual. That, that God has done something that touches every fabric of creation in becoming flesh. And so what we see is, is in this sort of manger scene is something that is, is rewriting everything. Is sort of reconceiving uh, everything, and, and, and in a way, um, repositioning our humanity as such as well. That as we receive Christ, our humanity is restructured and healed in such a way. These are all the things that sort of come with Christmas Eve. Now, if you've been here on Easter, which many of you have, I read an old sermon at the end of that uh, from St. John Chrysostom, and I wonder, part of the reason I say that is Easter preaching is hard, and who am I to think I can do better than the one that ever, that's still read today? Um, this year, I'm going to try reading a Christmas one from, from Leo the Great from the 400 AD. Um, it's an older sermon as well. But this sermon um, captures, I think, the gospel news of Christmas greatly. And in the joy and, and the magnitude of what happens, but also um, the, the polarity of how eternity becomes flesh how that which cannot die takes up death. He names all these great things. Now, the readings we read for today's, today, just, just for brief, Isaiah talked about that great light or that great darkness and a great light has shone. And then it names Christ in prophecy at the end as this one um, that God will rest on and he shall be the prince of peace. The psalm we read talks about creation resounding with this news, similar to joy to the world in the way that it speaks. Um, the book of Titus that Park read for us, there's this, um, there's this line at the end of the sermon um, that says, Christian, acknowledge your dignity. Um, uh, that, that Titus speaks of the ways in which we can be transformed by this glorious appearing, that God's preparing a people in the world. And the Luke reading that, that we're so familiar with, um, but as I often try to say, our familiarity can breed infamiliarity, which breeds contempt. Um, not, not familiarity that breeds contempt. But, the, but that one proclaims this kings and rulers. And yet, in Luke's gospel way, uh, the, the people who hear the news are the people on the underside of the empire, these shepherds, these people whom uh, were not thought highly of in the first century world, are the people who come and rejoice at this news. And this star appears, and the angels rejoice, and, and this is... this scene in Luke captures this big thing. And so the reason why I, um, I struggle and why I went with an older sermon that I'll read here in a sec is because all four of these images from these texts and all the songs we sing and all that pulled together are trying to capture the vastness of what has happened in the incarnation. And it's hard <laughs> to, to express that in words. Um, uh, we sing, we, we read, we, we have scripture, and all these things point to that. But it's a, it's a mosaic that when you try to say it all, it becomes a mess. Um, and so this keeps me from making the mess. Um, and so I'll read these words from Leo. Um, 
and how he embraced the joy of Christmas in his time. Our Savior, dearly beloved, was born today. Let us be glad, for there is no proper place for sadness when we keep the birthday of this life, which destroys the fear of death and brings us the joy of promised eternity. No one is kept from sharing in this happiness. There is for all one common measure of joy, because he, our Lord, Lord, the destroyer of sin and death, finds none free from charge, so he has come to free us all. Let the saint exult in that he draws near to victory. Let the sinner be glad in that he is invited to pardon. Let the Gentile take courage, for he is called to life. For the Son of God in the fullness of time, which the inscrutable depth of divine counsel as discernment has taken on him the nature of man, thereby to reconcile it to its author, in order that the inventor of death, the devil, might be conquered through the nature which he had conquered. And in this conflict undertaken for us, the fight was fought on the great and wondrous principles of fairness. For the almighty God, Lord, enters the lists with his savage foe, not in his majesty, but in our humility, opposing him with the same form and the same nature, which shares indeed our mortality. Though it is free from all sin, truly foreign to this nativity is that which we read of all others. No one is unclean from stain, not even the infant who lived but one day on earth. But nothing, therefore, of the lust of flesh has passed into this peerless nativity. Nothing of the law of sin has entered. A royal virgin of the stem of David is chosen to be impregnated with the sacred seed and conceived by the divinely human, uh, to conceive the divinely human offspring in mind first and then in body. Unless in the ignorance of the heavenly counsel she should tremble at so strange a result, she learns from converse with the angel that what is wrought in her is of the Holy Spirit. Nor does she believe it loss of honor that she is soon to be the mother of God, for why should she be in despair over the novelty of such conception, to which the power of the Most High is promised to effect? Her implicit faith is also confirmed by the earlier miracle, and Elizabeth receives an unexpected fertility in order that we might have no doubt that he who had given conception to the barren would give it even to a virgin." Therefore, the word of God himself, the son of God, who was in the beginning with God, through whom all things were made, and without him nothing was made, with the purpose of delivering man from eternal death, became man, so that bending himself to take on our humility, without decreasing his own majesty, that remaining what he was and assuming what he was not, he might untrue the true form of a slave, to that form in which is equal to God the Father, and join both natures together by such a compact that the lower should not be swallowed up in its exaltation, nor the higher impaired by its new associate. Without detriment, therefore, the properties of either substance, which then came together in one person. Majesty took on humility. Strength took on weakness. Eternity took on morality, uh, mortality. And the pain off of debt belonging to our condition, involuntary nature was united with passable nature. And true God and true man were combined to form one Lord. So that it suited the needs of our case, one the same mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus could both die with one and rise again with the other. Rightly, therefore, did this birth of our salvation impart no corruption to the virgin's purity, because the bearing of truth was keeping that honor. 
Such then the beloved was the nativity which became the power of God and the wisdom of God, even Christ, whereby he might become one with us in manhood and surpass us in godhood. For unless he was true God, he could not bring us a remedy. Unless he were true man, he could not bring us an example. Therefore, the exaltation's angel song, when the Lord was born, is this, glory to God in the highest, and their message, peace on earth and to goodwill to all. For they see that the heavenly Jerusalem is being built up out of all the nations of the world, and over that inscrutable work of divine love, how at the humblest of men to rejoice when the joy of lofty angels is so great." Let us then, dearly beloved, give thanks to God the Father through his Son and the Holy Spirit, who for his great mercy wherewith he has loved us, had pity upon us, and when we were dead in sins has quickened us together so that we might become a new creation and a new production. Let us put off the old man with his deeds and have obtained a share in the birth of Christ. Let us renounce the work of the flesh. Christian, acknowledge your dignity. Becoming a partner in divine nature, refuse to return to the old baselessness, baseness of degenerate conflict. Remember the head and the body of which you are a member. Recollect that you were rescued from the power of darkness and brought into God's light and kingdom. By the mystery of baptism, you were made a temple of the Holy Ghost. Do not return to your base acts or subject yourself once more to the devil's slavery because your purchase money is the blood of Christ, because he shall judge you in truth who ransomed you in mercy, who with the Father and the Holy Spirit reigns forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. God, you have spoken to us of this through prophets, of priests, of shepherds, of creation witnessing to the truth of your reconciliation and redeeming love for us that becomes incarnate in the manger. That we come together and we worship and sing songs to you tonight and for the next 12 days to bring our hearts and minds back to this great and glorious news which you have accomplished for us. The gospel in hearing is that you do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. God, in becoming flesh and taking up residency in the world, you live a life and die as such, doing for us what we could not do for ourselves and healing our nature. As we sing, the service closes, and we go home. May we be like shepherds who share the joy of this good news. May we also be like Mary who store up these things in our hearts. In the name of the Father.